Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the Nocillacast podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever-so-slight Apple bias. Today is Monday, February 4th, 2019, and this is show number 717. Well, I can prove to you that the, the Nocillacast never misses a show because I had eye surgery today. I actually had a cataract removed, so I have a brand new shiny man-made lens in my right eye which means I no longer have an astigmatism in my right eye, which I've had for pretty much my entire life, near as I can remember. And uh, so the the fun thing is I will no longer need glasses when I'm working on my computer, um, but I also can't get glasses prescriptions for a while because my prescription won't have settled out. So I'm not sure what's going to go on, but here's why you want to go to the live show. The live show got to see my eyes with one giant dilated eye and the other one not dilated. So, you know, you're missing that when you join showing the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways in the live show. But we have another mammoth show this week. We've got six interviews from CES because in theory, it was going to be a light show without security bits. Um, one thing I do want to make sure I, re- I remember to say, because I forgot to say it for the last two weeks, these recordings from CES are also video. If you hear about something cool and you can't quite picture it, please follow the links in the show notes to go see the videos. Steve has done a great job with these. They're really fun. They're really great. And uh, you get to actually see the stuff that we were talking about. But we don't just have those six interviews. I've got two fairly long stories to tell you. Kevin Alder, also known as Big in Virginia, has his first take on the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. Also, Bart Bouchatz is going to chime in with his thoughts on social media after listening to last week's Chit Chat Across the Pond with Shai Yamini. I've also got a couple of announcements to get out of the way first, so let's dig in. Chit Chat Across the Pond this week was another installment of Programming by Stealth. We shift gears a bit away from web pages to start looking at how to write web apps as we explore the usage and code behind Bootstrap, Modals, and Toasts. It's a combination of HTML, Bootstrap for styling, and JavaScript for actions, so it starts flexing all of our programming muscles. In a little bit, you'll hear a story of how I actually used the programming skills that I've learned in programming myself, and I'm very, very proud of my little self. But in the meantime, you can find the latest installment of Programming by Stealth in your podcatcher of choice or listen over at podfeet.com. Speaking of Bart, he was the latest guest on the Mac Quadcast with Darren Carr. You know, even though Bart and I have talked for literally thousands of hours, I still I learned things about him that I didn't know. I got to tell you, I nearly fell over laughing when he referred to Windows ME as a buggy, crashy piece of poop. Anyway, Darren asked some questions I've never thought to ask him, and it's absolute loads of fun. Bart's in a great mood. He's all happy. He's fun. Darren's a great interviewer. It's really great. You should go check it out at themacquad.com or search for the Mac Quadcast in your podcatcher of choice. Well, I was on the Daily Tech News show uh, last week with Sarah Lane while Tom was away on vacation. The discussion topic was about Facebook's research tool. If you want to hear me lose my ever-loving mind about it, check it out at dailytechnewsshow.com, episode 3458, or look in your podcatcher of choice for the title, Should Be Against the Terms of Wrong. All right, last announcement, I promise. This week, my video tutorial about Jump Desktop was published on Screencast Online. Jump Desktop is a fantastic remote desktop application that lets you control Macs and PCs anywhere in the world with no kind of networking faffing about. And you can do it from an iPad, iPhone, Mac, PC, or even Android. I posted a teaser video about it over on podfeed.com. Now remember, Screencast Online is a paid-for tutorial service, but you can watch all of the back catalog with a free seven-day trial. Don't do it, though, because you'll get hooked. 
I'm talking to, to Dr. Travu of uh, Omni Labs right now, and there's some crazy robot, and the CTO, Jared Go is waving his arms around here, and the robot hands are moving. What is it? What is going on here? What are we looking at? We are looking at custom-made robotic arms that we, we, con- we made all of this using 3D printing. And we build 3D printers themselves, and then we uh, print these robots. So uh, our CTO here actually just put this together in, uh, in demonstration to Toto at one point. But now we are taking this product and we are implementing it across the board for so many usage. Okay. So Jared has, uh, this is audio also, so Jared has two little controllers in his hands. He's moving them around and he's uh, manipulating a robot, a couple of robot arms here. So what is it? What is the use case? Uh, this is for, for an accessibility standpoint. Can I talk? Can I reach? Yes. Okay. So for us, robotics in the future is all about affordability. To solve the problems that really affect the entire world is all about how cheap you can make the solutions. A $20,000 robot arm is not going to get into homes, but one that's like $1,000 or $2,000 will definitely. So our approach is to really push the envelope with what you can do with 3D printed robotics and get these solutions to the hands of research labs around the world, corporations doing all these things. We have clients in Japan who want us to do cleaning tasks with this arm and all sorts of things. And then we really go from there into all the sort of assistive tasks, taking care of aging, uh, grandmas in the home, taking care of sick kids, you know, allowing them to, to live a life outside of being stuck at home and all this kind of stuff. So I think and that's only possible if these robotic arms can become yeah. uh, more, more affordable. More affordable is the key. So I think it's our big passion. See robots everywhere, but actually helping people, not just taking away jobs, anything like that, really helping transform everyday lives. These look fairly simple. I just see a bunch of uh, uh, joints and, yeah. and cables pulling back and forth. A lot of Ethernet cables and, yeah. and, a, and a couple of circuit boards, right? Yes, not yes. that much to it. Not that much to it, but a lot of design goes into it, actually. So well, for sure. example, the cables, you know, picking the right material, uh, all the like the joint angles, the joint strengths, and a lot about motor control. So our philosophy is also for robotics companies, it's better to, to solve the problems in so- software and have very simple hardware. Then your, your costs are much better than super, you know, expensive custom, you know. It's easier yeah. to fix software later. Totally, totally, totally. So, so at some point, these uh, robot arms would have uh, fingers yes, and things yes. and be able to hold on to the broom for yeah, me? Yeah, totally. This one's a wiping demo for one of our clients. So that's like a green cloth. That's actually a spray. So we were wiping a whiteboard and other stuff, but uh, we didn't hook it up to anything here. We don't want to spray anyone by accident. <laughs> you can yes. spray perfu- perfume. perfume. Yeah, that's a good After one. While people at CES we're, start to smell bad, uh, might be good. That's a good one. We're thinking uh, happy hour. <laughs> uh, uh, something like that, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> well, this stuff looks really fun. So if people want to learn more about this, where would they go? They would go to our website, www.omnilabs.com. It's O-H-M-N-I-L-A-B-S.com. Very cool. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Addison. And now it's time to listen to Nosilla Castaway Kevin Alder, also known as Big in Virginia. Let's have a listen. Hello, Allison, Wingman Steve, Sandy, and all my fellow Nosilla Castaways. Kevin here with my initial impressions and review of my new 12.9-inch iPad Pro, which my amazing wife was kind enough to give me for Christmas. I got the 512 gigabyte space gray Wi-Fi only model. Local storage is important to me because I don't trust public Wi-Fi and I am too cheap to pay for extra cellular data when I can't find a trusted hotspot. While there have been many reviews and commentaries on the new iPads, I was ordered by Allison, just kidding Allison, that after I tweeted about receiving and setting up my new iPad Pro, I should do a review. With encouragement from my fellow Nusilla castaways, Sandy and Ian, to do it, here it is. The iPad Pro is an amazing and versatile device. 
While this is not my first iPad, it is actually my fourth. Don't judge me. It is the most functional of them all. This is my first device with Face ID, and I'd have to say it is great. It makes things a lot easier and faster to unlock the device. My iPhone 7 Plus works great with Touch ID, but because I have some sort of weird skin, it only works about 80% of the time, which is okay, but I am getting spoiled with Face ID. The great functionality of the iPad can be broken down into two categories. First is the hardware, and second is the OS and applications. Let's start with the hardware. I have, for various reasons, been transitioning over the last 18 months from a Mac-based workflow to a more iOS-based workflow for my personal stuff. The iPad Pro has left my poor 27-inch iMac wanting and starving for attention even more since it arrived. I have found that with the iPad Pro and a keyboard, they more than satisfy all my document creation needs in iOS. I currently use a Logitech K480 Bluetooth keyboard with my iPad and other iOS devices. It works very good, but isn't the most portable keyboard I could use. More on that in a bit. This combo allows me to be more mobile than I have ever, than I ever was with my iMac and without the burden of carrying around a Mac laptop, either at home or at the office. The freedom this iPad gives me, as well as the previous models did to a lesser degree, is great. On our last vacation, I went without a laptop and was iOS only, and it was great. Now, as for the apps and the OS side of things, while iOS 12 is definitely moving in the direction of being a fully-fledged OS, there are still some shortcomings that need to be addressed, like easy access to external physical storage and improved support for USB-C connected devices, like the aforementioned drives and external displays. As for apps, almost all of my apps take advantage of the split-screen capabilities, which is great for the large screen but a real bummer when they don't. Better audio recording apps are coming, and I'm looking into them all the time for doing things just like this review. No Apple or other technology product is complete, it seems, without buying some accessories, and I have done that. To protect my iPad, I bought from Amazon the ProCase iPad with Apple Pencil Holder Folio Case. It was $24.99, link included. The name just rolls off your tongue, I know. This case is a style I have always preferred for my iPads and accommodates my method of working and use. I have also purchased the new Apple Pencil and am just now getting used to it. While I am no artist and have done one drawing with it, the quality of the drawing is awful, but the overall experience was fun, relaxing, and enjoying. Who knows, I may get brave enough to share some of my artwork online at some point for everyone to have a giggle at. My next purchase, I think, will be the Apple Smart Folio keyboard because I like the compact lightweight style it provides as opposed to my current setup, and it will greatly enhance my computing experience. So I guess to sum things up, my initial impressions of the iPad Pro are 4 out of 5 stars for a rating. The hardware is easily 5 out of 5 stars. It is some of the software and the OS that hold it back from what I can see at this point from being a complete home run. Some of my favorite apps are not yet fully optimized for iOS 12. They are slowly moving that way, and I hope that iOS 13 pushes them in that direction even faster. 
Either way, I am a 90% iOS-based workflow guy at this point, and I'm hoping to get to 100% as soon as I can. Heck, I wrote and recorded this on Precious the Third, a.k.a. my new iPad Pro. Thanks, and I hope you found this commentary useful. If you care to hear more from me, you can always follow me on Twitter at B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A, or I can, or I occasionally am a co-host over on the Geekiest Show Ever, which can be found at geekiestshowever.com. If none of that works, you can usually find me and the rest of the castaways in the chat room on Sunday nights as I protect Wingman Steve and try to keep Allison on the straight and narrow. Yeah, he tries to keep me on the straight and narrow, but it doesn't work. But it is nice that he has a wingman. But hey, I have a wing woman. That's Sandy. So you know what? We've got a united force. We keep this thing going. But thanks a lot, Kevin. That was a, that was a really good review. I like the uh, the balance that you brought. And uh, I'll be curious to see how you do with recording with it. That's pretty cool. Well, it's really hard to grab somebody's attention. It's a yes, because there is so much glitz and glamour here. But I was walking by the solo booth and saw some of the most beautiful bags I've ever seen. I mean, I've just, I was drawn to this That's burgundy nice bag. Compliment. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I'm talking to Sirkan Ozturkin yes. about the solo backpacks and other kinds of bags that they have here. Tell us a little bit about these and we'll be doing audio and video. So describe sure. as much as you like. So we're called Solo New York. We're a brand from New York, obviously. We're a lifestyle bag brand. Um, and the bag you're holding is part of our varsity collection. So this entire section here is the varsity collection. It's athleisure. It's really for the city person who is a little bit more of a sporty person. They need something on the go. They need something stylish. They need something lightweight. So oh, the lightweight is huge to me. This is a stunner, but it's also a super lightweight bag. What we want is the bags to be as light as possible. So what weighs is the stuff that you put into them. Yeah, I always look at people with these nifty looking leather bags and I'm thinking, I'm never going to carry that. It can be as pretty as you like, but if it weighs a lot, I'm not doing it. Yeah, some bags are really heavy. So we understand what our customer needs. And one of the things with the backpacks is they need to be comfortable and they need to be lightweight. I notice it's it's got nice padding on the back. Super it's got nice padding. Stuff going on and you here. know what? If you're traveling as well, this is right on top of your luggage as well. So we Ooh. thought about all the details. So what he's showing is there's a little strap on the inside of the part that hits your back that you slide over the handle of your uh, yep. of your luggage. That is a really nice feature. It, that it is helps. fantastic. Yep. So the zippers are actually designed so they're a little bit more as a T shape for those who cannot see. It's easy to grab onto these zippers and pull them open. All right. I'm going to need to test that here. You can yep. hold the microphone yeah, sure. now. There I'm going to go. do the zippers. Oh, my gosh. That zipper is amazing. Can Isn't I just do the zipper the rest of the time we're you talking? You can, of course. I'm it's serious. fun. <laughs> I'm not kidding, you guys. Keep giving me the mic here. I'm on mic now. I'm just going to play with these zippers. This is this is the smoothest zipper I've ever felt on a backpack. It's not catching on oh, any of the nice. corners. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So it, it seems to have a fair number of pockets, but not too many pockets. That is correct. It actually, believe it or not, it actually has a built-in laptop compartment as well. Oh, so Let's see that. Right, oh, oh, we got oh, my we got badge there. There you go. So this back compartment is big enough for a laptop, and then your tablet can slide right in there as well. Nice. So we understand that it's 2019. Everyone has multiple devices when we travel. So this is enough to hold all your tech stuff that you will acquire rest of CES, and then all of it will fit in right here. Very nice. It looks like you've got them with uh, special rain cover hoods here. Yeah, that's, that's for the a, New York people, not for the California that's people. That's actually a backpack 
shaped as a triangle, so we call it the peak backpack. It's a special opening, so it latches down here. When you pull it up, the whole top compartment is a zipper that opens up. Oh, so, you so have it's like access. a duffel bag more. It's, oh. it's an interesting opening. We did it for more of a city person, so it zips up and then it locks down, so no one can get into it without you knowing about oh, it. Oh, very nice. And you've got uh, attaches here, all kinds of different right. shapes. So this collection, our varsity collection, this athleisure collection, really spans across 20 different SKUs. Some of them are for the gym goers. Some of them are for the business guys. So there's a messenger bag. There's a ladies tote that is super lightweight. Um, there's oh, yeah, I've used those briefcase. totes before, but they were always really heavy. No, this is super lightweight. Feel how light this is. Oh, that's because it's got an airbag in it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes it lighter. Absolutely. You put helium in it. That would be a good marketing strategy. Oh, yeah. It, just, it flies off of your hand, yeah. So if people want to learn more about these bags and see them themselves, where would they go? They would go to solo-ny.com or any big box retailer that they usually go to. We are a national brand, so whether Target, Walmart, Staples, Best Buy, Amazon, Dillard's, Macy's, Well, I'll be putting my from. Amazon affiliate link right oh, here. There, then. You go, hey, there you go. There you go. So what kind of price point are we talking about, say, for this uh, this burgundy well, one we've been looking at we here? we really cater to the masses. So this one you like is called Region Backpack, and okay. Region Backpack is MSRP $64.99. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay, totally sold. Totally <laughs> sold. Going to head right on over to Amazon and pick one of those up. Very good. Thank you very awesome. much, Sarkana. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Well, can you tell I really liked that zipper? <laughs> it really was amazing. Um, there's there's one problem here. I've gone searching for the bag he showed me on their website, on all the different places they said they had it. They had it. He said Amazon. He said Walmart. He said Macy's. He said Target. He said all these other companies. I have not been able to find that exact bag, and I think maybe it isn't out yet. So anyway, I have a note into him to hopefully be able to find that. If you get value out of all the hard work Steve does to create the video and audio interviews for the podcast, consider becoming a patron of the Podfeet podcast. All you have to do is go over to podfeet.com slash Patreon and choose a weekly dollar amount to help support the show. Now, if you have a fear of commitment, you could always go to podfeet.com slash PayPal and put in a one-time donation. I got to tell you, he just got a new boom arm for his microphone because of your help to support the show. When I retired, I decided that one of my goals was to learn to program. You see, I took BASIC in college in 1976 and later Fortran 4 with Watt 5 when I was in grad school. In 1982, in my master's project in mechanical engineering, I actually used the Fortran that I learned. By the way, it's called the development of clearances in a spatial revolute joint, if you're interested. But I hadn't programmed anything in the ensuing 31 years. Obviously, programming has become all the rage and no longer isolated to the dusty back rooms of a mechanical engineering lab using punch cards in a mainframe. I was curious to see if at the right, ripe old age of 55, I could learn to program using modern languages and if I could figure out some problems to solve with it. I was also highly influenced by Dr. Marianne Gary, who came on Chit Chat Across the Pond several years ago. She explained that one of the ways you can increase your odds of staving off Alzheimer's is to take on something that is very mentally challenging for you and master it. Now all I needed was someone to teach me to code. Luckily, Bart Bouchotts agreed to help me with this quest, and that was the genesis of Programming by Stealth. We started the podcast on October 9th, 2015, and every other week for the last three and a half years, Bart has been slowly but surely building up our programming skills, starting with HTML, then CSS, then JavaScript, and now into Bootstrap. I'm giving you all of this background just to tell you the story of how incredibly powerful I felt last week 
when I created something beautiful and useful to you using those hard-earned programming skills. Now, I can finally explain the problem to be solved. You may not have noticed, and maybe nobody's ever noticed, but on every podfeed.com page, there's a little menu bar at the top. The first link is called Subscribe to the Podcast. You might see it as a little hamburger menu if you're on an iPhone or another kind of device. Anyway, subscribe to the podcast is not a big red button, but maybe it should be now. It's just a quiet little link. In this day and age, it may not even be necessary. If I suggest you subscribe to Programming by Stealth, you're probably just going to go open your podcatcher of choice to do a quick search and tap the plus button. So you probably don't even need this page. But anyway, the page hadn't been updated since I did the major redesign a few years ago. I created it using a tool called Layout Builder from my WordPress theme vendor, Site Origin. I designed this page, but as my father would have said, this page is ugly as sin. The podcast logos are in the first row, and for the life of me, I was never able to get them aligned aligned vertically, so the Nocilicast logo was way below Chit Chat Across the Pond and Taming the Terminal. Chit Chat Across the Pond Lite and Programming by Stealth aren't even on the page yet, because they weren't invented. The second row was for the logo and link to download on iTunes. When's the last time you used iTunes for a podcast? Well, next up, I had the RSS feed logo and link, and that's probably going to live on forever, so that one's okay. Finally, I had Stitcher Radio, which was an up-and-coming service for a few minutes right around the time I created the page. The text on this, ser- on this page is too small. There's lines around the rows and columns to ensure I keep the ugliest sin insult intact. And to put the final cherry on top, the page is not responsive to screen sizes. On a narrow screen like an iPhone, the icons all jam up together and there's no way I could add in the two missing podcasts. Other than that, the page looks awesome. Well, the first path I went down was to recreate the page, but still using the page layout builder from Site Origin. The advantage of this approach is that you drag in little blocks representing rows and columns with graphics and text without needing to do any design of the layout. Now, the tools do all of the styling for you, but you have overrides available to modify your needs. One of the biggest advantages of using the Page Layout Builder was that if properly designed, it would be responsive to different screen sizes. As Bart has taught us in Programming by Stealth, the new mantra in web design is mobile first, because that's where most content is consumed these days. A responsive design was critical. My new design layout idea was to have one row for each podcast instead of a column. Each row would have three major elements. On the left, I wanted a big version of the given podcast logo. On the right, say 75% of the row would be some brief text describing the podcast. Below the text, I wanted a row of very small podcatcher icons. Each podcatcher icon would have the name of the software right below it. Tapping on the appropriate podcatcher logo on a mobile device should take you right to the podcast in the app. If you clicked on the icon on the desktop, it should open a browser window for the podcatcher pointing to the correct podcast. I wanted the text and the podcatcher icons to take up about the same height as the big podcast logo on the left. Well, great news. I was able to mock this idea up very quickly using my site origin tools. Now, I told you we're supposed to be doing mobile first, but the description and design I just detailed was how it would look on a wide computer screen. The small screen should see something very different. My plan was to have the collapsed version show the big podcast logo at the top, below that the text, and below that the horizontal row of small podcatcher icons. Well, the Site Origin Page Builder tools did not do that. Sure, it floated the big podcast icon to the top, and right below that it nicely put the text, but instead of allowing the four podcatcher icons to be in a horizontal row, where they had plenty of room to fit, it made them all one long vertical column. 
It was three page swipes on an iPhone to get to the bottom of just one podcast. No one would ever find the last podcast because they'd be at the surgeons getting helped with repetitive stress injuries from scrolling. Well, I pay for premium support at Site Origin because I get great value for the theme, which is free, but with premium support, I get quick response via email to my queries. I asked Site Origin how to make that little row of icons stay horizontal, and my little friend Alex explained that it was impossible with this tool. I'm happy when someone tells me the actual answer, even if it's not what I wanted to hear. I explained to Alex that this was frustrating because I knew it could be done in Bootstrap, as I'd learned from BART and Programming by Stealth. Alex said, I'm not sure you can do that. It's definitely possible. It's just not something I would personally recommend. I then recalled several months earlier when I'd asked the same question of the bootstrap guy, I'm sorry, of the site origin guys, and I'd gotten the same answer. I inferred from what he said that it would do some sort of damage to my site, that there would be unpredictable behavior with my theme. So I had abandoned that whole path of trying to do it by hand. But later while talking to Alex, it occurred to me He didn't actually say it would damage anything. He said, I wouldn't recommend it. I asked him why he wouldn't recommend it. His answer floored me. He said, I've personally never been a fan of Bootstrap. Well, that's a horse of a different color now, isn't it? I was a bit peeved that he led me astray for all this time. I asked him whether he'd used Bootstrap 4, because according to Bart, it's miles and miles better than Bootstrap 3. Okay, probably would have said kilometers and kilometers, but you know what I mean. Alex said he had not tried Bootstrap 4, and perhaps he should give it a second look. Of course, I told him to go listen to and read Programming by Stealth. Okay, so now I know that no hole in the space-time continuum is going to occur if I try my hand at designing the page using Bootstrap and good old-fashioned HTML. I launched my code editor, the $15 app called CodeRunner by Nikolai Krill, and I got down to business. Now, you might be afraid at this point. I'm going to tell you step-by-step everything I did to program this page, but luckily I'm going to be slightly less verbose than that. I did want to tell you why Bootstrap is so cool. With HTML, you can type in what you see on a web browser, you know, things like images and links. You then style the web page using CSS or cascading style sheets. CSS lets you hand code everything from the color of a link to the size of a drop shadow on an image to the margins around that image. Bootstrap is a collection of libraries that make it far easier to style a web page. One of the most powerful things it makes easy is creating columns and rows of information. It also has what they call breakpoints, which are for different size devices. The devices are, uh, they start with XS, which is extra small. So that's for, say, phone widths. S is for, say, a landscape phone. M is a small tablet. Then there's L and XL for large tablets and computer screens. Because of these size classes in Bootstrap, you get to define exactly what the layout looks like for every size or group of sizes. In a few days, I had a good working mock-up of what I wanted, and it looked great. I showed it off to our Slack group in the PBS channel at podfeed.com slash Slack if you're interested. I got a lot of fun feedback from Marianne, Alistair, and Caleb. I hope I haven't forgotten anybody else. A bunch of people were very encouraging. And I got a few suggestions on how to make it look even better. I set the breakpoints, and finally, that little row of icons popped below the text and stayed as a row. It looked great. It brought a tear to my eye. And remember, I said I've been working with the code all inside CodeRunner on my desktop. Time to put it on podfeed.com. I opened up a page inside WordPress, and I plopped in the code. I hit preview with breathless excitement, and it looked horrible. And I mean, ugliest sin would have been a vast improvement over what it looked like. 
at all sizes. All of the content was jammed over into this small column on the left. There was this huge gap between the big logo and the text and the little podcatcher island icons were jumbled up like you'd toss them on the table like dice. There were even different sizes for no apparent reason. I tapped Bart on Telegram and he explained that what I was trying to do would never work. I was devastated. But in his next breath, he explained a way to make it work. He said that inside WordPress, I should put a single line in that's called an iframe. This is a container that will point to the raw HTML file that I would then upload to my server. He said that when he had time, he'd read the documentation on iframes and how to make it actually work properly. But I didn't want to wait. I tootled off and I read it myself and I got it to work. When I was later asking Bart for praise for my amazing programming skills, he said the thing he was most pleased with was that I had read the fine manual, or as he likes to say, RTFM. That's where he's trying to get us to, because if we can RTFM, we can stand on our own two feet. So I was 99% successful at this point. Everything flowed the way I wanted to it to, except for one thing. When in the narrowest of sizes on a phone, the text under one of the icons would move from centered under its logo to left justified. I should explain the four icons I had chosen were Apple Podcasts, the RSS icon, Overcast, and finally Pocket Cast. I chose the three pod- those three podcatchers because they're popular and because they support links in a browser. Anyway, the misaligned text at small sizes was the word slash acronym RSS. You know, Dorothy and I loved to noodle programming stuff while we were exercising on the elliptical, so I just described the problem to her and I demonstrated how it looked on my iPhone. She suggested maybe the RSS was getting shoved over to the left because the podcatcher names on the right were too wide. Well, that was an idea worth pursuing. I did some more RTFMing and I figured out a solution. With Bootstrap, you can tell the code to display or display none depending on size. So I created acronyms for the three podcatchers that is AP, OC, and PC. And I told Bootstrap, use the acronyms, display the acronyms when the screen size was extra small and hide the, fo- the full-size names. But from small on up, hide the acronyms and show the full title instead. Guess what? It actually worked. So I am pleased to announce that I have published the most amazing web page of all time, hand-coded with my own little hands, with the guidance of Bart, the noodling with Dorothy, the encouragement of the Nocilla Castaways in the Slack, and of course, the fine manual. Now, I keep it as my homepage now on my iPhone and on my Mac, and I constantly rotate my phone from landscape to portrait and shrink it and biggen my browser with just to watch how beautifully the page performs at all of the, the breakpoints. You should go do this too. Go to podfeed.com, click on subscribe to the podcast at the top, and be amazed. Or click on the link I put in the show notes and enjoy the awesomeness. By the way, when I was all finished, I sent the link to Alex at Site Origin, and I made him admire it as well. Well, I got to go rub some Bengay on my shoulder now from patting myself on the back. So that's enough about this. You know, I'm a sucker for USB Type-C products, and I ran across a logic here. We're talking to Pratik Kumar, and he's going to tell us about their products. So we have a great lineup for 2019 across, and everything here is pretty much USB-C and Thunderbolt 3. And uh, let's start with something like this. Uh, if you have seen, most of the new Ultrabooks are just USB-C enabled, and pretty much any user who's, who has one of those computers is using an adapter or a dongle of some sort and carrying it around, right? Then you're also carrying a power bank. So what we have done is we have combined the two products together and also put a wireless charging pad on the top. 
Oh, no way. Yes, exactly. So this is about the size of a, maybe a little smaller than a smartphone, a little thicker. I see uh, HDMI, it's got an SD card slot, a couple of USB-A, and it's got a USB Type-C. So um, that's a power bank? It is a 5,000 milliamp power, sorry, MAH power bank. And it also has a wireless charging surface on the top. So the idea is to remove any clutter. So what you need to be sort of, all you need to do is, uh, sorry, Okay. He's turning it on here and he's setting his iPhone on top of it. So, so it just shows that the battery enables the wireless charging on the top. Just started charging right there. Oh, sorry. It's there charging on the top. Very cool. Uh, so the and idea is someone like you, you know, who works, who like, who's always on the go, typing away on your laptop. You connect this. You could be charging your photographs, videos into your memory card onto your computer. You could be connected a mouse or if you are at your desk, maybe a display. And you want to charge your phone, right? We want to minimize clutter. We don't want you to connect another cable. All you do is just keep your phone and you're good to go. Just set it right down. That is a beautiful design. That is really pretty. Exactly. So uh, does the, I noticed USB-C on this side. Has that got power delivery? Yes, exactly. So this, sorry, this model does up to 60 watts of power delivery as well. So wow, you could be charging fantastic. the computer and the power bank at the same time. And your phone sitting on top of exactly, it. Exactly, and the phone sitting on top of it. That is a really slick design. Uh, so how much does this cost? Uh, this will uh, pay for around $119 at the, in U.S. It's not bad at all. Yeah, that's... Uh, when, when will that be available? Uh, it would be available from second week of March. Oh, not bad at all. Yes. That's pretty specific. You must be serious about the date. Yeah, no, we are pretty serious about this product. We've been working on it for a long time. It has been extremely difficult, in fact, to put all the three together in such a small form factor. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people could do it big and bulky, but we like we were really hell bent on making it small and portable. So like because we are like you, we travel a lot, and we wanted something that we could use ourselves. We could just chuck one thing in the bag, and that's all we wanted to take with us. And it's got nice little blue lights on the exactly. end. Exactly. You got to have the little blue lights yeah, to show exactly. you the power show level, right? Going. Fantastic. And, and is there a name for that? Uh, this is called the Dock Wave. The Ultra Dock Wave. Uh, Not just uh, the Dock Wave. It is, it is the, the Ultra, ultra dock, dock Wave. In fact, it's a part of an ultra range of products. Okay. So it follows the same sort of design style. Uh, I'll take you. So these are your standard sort of ultra, like we call them Ultra Docks. So this is the Dock Plus. This is the Dock Uni. Okay. So this is, uh, this is our Gen 2 products. So this uses the latest power delivery specification 3.0 can support up to 100 watts of power now. Hot dogs. I've got a MacBook Pro, so 15, uh, 15 inch. So I love okay, that. so yeah, exactly. So 100 watts of power now. It's got an intelligent LED that shows that when the dock is ready to use, it's got a lot of shielding now inside to, because the first-gen USB-C products were known to affect the Wi-Fi signal, the Bluetooth signal. It, it has got an extremely high amount of shielding, and it's still that packed into such a small form factor. These are really, really beautiful devices. Yeah, we have done like, intense EMI testing on them to make sure that there is no interference at all now. He's talking about the EMI testing, and I'm saying, yeah, but it's pretty, too. <laughs> <laughs> As I saying, this is a part of the ultra range of products. We have done a lot of work, say, something like this, specially designed, uh, specially designed for the MacBook Pros. And you'd see that we have used a lot of soft touch material if you touch it. Oh, yeah. It's, so the it's idea touchable was, you know, too. a lot of people just chuck them in the back with the MacBooks, right? And if this was all aluminum, it will scratch against your MacBook. Ah, so right, we right, were, right. thinking, oh, it's scratching my MacBook. What do we do? We're like, okay, let's put some extra soft touch material and keep it sleek and nice. It matches the new MacBook Air's profile. Oh, very nice. Look at the nice little wedge design there, Steve. So this is just a tiny little dock that's got... Uh, I yeah. guess I'd call it a hub, but it's got power delivery, it's so it really delivery. is a dock, it's a dock. Right? Exactly. So, so it's, it's got, got two USB-C yeah, uh, so. port uh, connectors on it, and then 
you've got two coming out. Okay, and then you got two USB-A and an SD card and a micro SD. Pretty much. So all that into that small I phone. I want factor. all of this. <laughs> I am most Seriously, critique. That is really cool. Uh, you'll love this as well. So this can charge four devices at once, two wireless charging surfaces on top, one USB-A, one USB-C. So this is meant for like a living room environment. You could be, so just imagine this in your living room. You could be charging your phones, your kids' iPads, your Nintendo, Nintendo Switch. Just one device that does it all. You, so you, this is uh, maybe the size of a one and a half iPhones. Pretty much. It's thin. It's got, it's got kind of a gray, almost like so, a stitch surface Yeah, on exactly. It. So this is a fabric. So we're trying to blend in as much. We try to make it as living room friendly as possible so that you could, yeah. You yeah, could, that is really pretty. And the plans are to bring in more different colors and different surface finishes later in the future this year. So two Qi chargers and the uh, USB. One that, USB-C. That's also power delivery, 18 watts. Oh, it is. Wow. Yeah, and this is 12 watts USB-A. These are beautiful products. So where would people go to find out more about these? Uh, so you can obviously log on to our website. It's alogic.co. Uh, they would be uh, available through different retailers in U.S. Uh, after March or middle of March. And they're already available across the world in different countries, in Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore. So this is an Australian company. So, yeah, we have a pretty strong presence in APAC. And, yeah, we have these all existing... friend in Australia right now. Ron, go buy me a couple of these things while you're there. <laughs> yeah, please I do. can't wait till March. <laughs> okay, so alogic.co. Alogic.co. Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks a lot. Thank you. with Ben Carter from HeartKey, and I'm a little confused. I see a steering wheel. I see some heart action going on here. I'm watching what looks like somebody's heart rhythm here. So tell us, what are you talking about with HeartKey? Yeah, so uh, welcome. I'm uh, Ben Carter from B-Secure, uh, and we're an ECG technology company. Um, biome biometrics, as it's known today, is all around fingerprint technology, iris technology, facial recognition. And what we do differently is we're able to take real-time ECG data identify people uniquely, but at the same time, understand if they're in a stress state or have problems with respiration or maybe even have a, an acute cardiac condition. So what we're seeing here, for example, is one of the number of different use cases we have. So my friend Adrian here, who's uh, clearly a model, um, is actually wearing a module we've developed, which is actually taking this real live ECG feed. So, so wait a minute, we got to see Adrian's uh, ECG monitor here. What, so you've... You designed this monitor? Yeah, so what you've got here is just a standard uh, module, uh, sorry, connected to a standard chest strap. Okay. Um, and so what we've done here is we've taken this, and in this module we have uh, a, a microcontroller which, which we embed our library uh, technology on, um, and then that's then sat on his chest strap. So what you're seeing here for this particular use case, for example, could be around uniform worker or connected workers in the IoT space. The ability to understand who they are, where they are, and how they are. So imagine, for example, someone who's in the fire service or in the military. Um, stress, fatigue are significant challenges for these, these people. And so what we're doing here through this, um, this, uh, this GUI is showing that this is Adrian. So this, is real time. this is real time. <laughs> Steve just told Adrian to hold his breath. He wants to see his heart rate go up so or you, stress level. You'll see his stress up and, and this is real time, exactly. So he's, oh, his stress is going down. I'll start to breathe. So he's, he's, he's uniquely identified. This is a live ECG. This is a medical grade ECG heart rate. So heart rate today is primarily understood through devices where you have an optical sensor and it derives a signal. This is a medical grade ECG heart rate. So how, many, how many leads is it? 
Uh, it's two. So if you go to a hospital, you have a 12-lead ECG machine. We take lead one. So you, as long as you have polarity across the chest, you have two points of contact, then you can create, we can pick up this information. So this here now is a stress score. And stress, this is, this is physiological stress. So we determine stress through using heart rate variability. So as you can see in each heartbeat, what we do is we look at the variations from heartbeat to heartbeat, and depending on what element, uh, which part of the heartbeat you look at, you can determine different forms of information. And stress is one of those. Um, down here you can see a stress log as an example. So what we're trying to understand now is the impact of stress and what it means. And what happens generally in today's world is if someone's stressed, it's a reactive thing. So someone goes off work because they're stressed, but it's too late at this point. Our technology is around giving people the ability to, to have early detection and prevention of this kind of thing. So imagine this type of understanding every day, all day, for weeks and months. If someone was sick or was going off stressed, you could actually determine this and they actually help them before they get sick. So again, this isn't for like tracking postal workers, probably. It could be well, it could be yeah. actually. They probably have stressful jobs, right? Exactly. But, but it's for people who might be in, in more likely to be in danger of, of these kinds of problems. Yeah. So I think in the early days, we're looking at working with um, in, in areas like military, blue light services, security services. Um, but we're also working with partners where this type of information can be connected to an IoT platform. So imagine a military command center where they have 20, 30, 100 soldiers, and they can monitor their stress levels all the time in real time across an entire population. Maybe stop a bigger problem. Um, this is an example of the additional kind of data you can uh, derive from an ECG signal. Now he's holding up a, uh, a uh, tablet and it's on Joe Blogs. We're no longer torturing Adrian. We're no longer torturing Adrian, but this is a, an example of the, 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 uh, the extent of more than we can do with an ECG. So our, our, our verification and identification stays here. But we can do things like drowsiness um, within health and wellness, um, arrhythmic conditions in, in genuine healthcare. So, How do you know if he's drowsy? Um, so again, it's just through variations within the heart rate variability. So if I go, if I go back to the signal, um, this is called a PQRST complex. So every, every beat you have um, is a PQRST. And we, whether we take elements within the T or the, P, the QRS or the, or the, uh, the P or the T, the T wave, we can, we can establish different forms of ECG data or health. So it could be stress. It could be heart rate variability. It could be stress uh, or energy expenditure, calorie burn, respiration. So our, our, our business is all around developing more and more algorithms that sit within our heart key library. And that's our business model. So we're effectively building IP software, working with hardware partners to integrate it into end devices. Wow, this is really, really fascinating. I had no idea you could get so much out of a heart rate. Very good. So if people want to learn more about HeartKey, where would they go? Uh, they'd go to besecure.com. Um, besecure.com? So, uh, yeah, so it's uh, www.b-secure.com, besecure. Okay, no E on the secure. No, that's okay, no, so you're no, missing no. letters, you got a dash yeah, in there. A, yeah, it's All a right, really, well, really, really complicated one. We'll, we'll put it down here in a lower third right below you right here. Exactly right. All right, thank you very yeah, much, thank guys. You much. Thank you for letting us make fun of you, Adrian. Uh, I'm used to it. <laughs> well, in a recent Chit Chat Across the Pond Light, I had Shai Yamini on to talk about social media and how it makes us feel and why some people are starting to pull back shy in particular, and we just kind of mashed through all the different things that we felt about it. And that compelled Bart to say that he had some words he wanted to add to that. Hey, yeah, well, I was I was doing 99%. In fact, all of the time I was listening, I was nodding my head in agreement. So I'm not disagreeing with anything you guys said. You were both spot on. But I have a few additional thoughts that came to me because I was, let me see, it was my lunchtime walk. So I was out walking along the canal and I was like, no, okay, good point, good point, good point. But... 
<laughs> so I have definitely been on a serious social media detox because I, it was actually, I was at a stage about six months, a year ago, where I think my mental health was actually in danger. Um, I was hmm. I was too cranky too often to the point where I was, if not heading for depression, certainly heading to the point where people were starting to really not like me very much. And oh. it was because I was drowning in a sea of anger. Oh, it is never ending because and the reason it's never ending is 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 because of incentives. It has been scientifically found that the most engaging thing is something that makes us angry. <laughs> so if your business model is built around keeping people on your side, you have to make them cranky. So you have to, if you think that they support Donald Trump, then you have to show them stuff about what silly Democrats are doing. If you think they love Nancy Pelosi, then you have to tell them something dumb Donald Trump is doing, because it will get their goat. It will make them angry. Hmm. And you get all of these scandals, right? These Every scandal these days is turned up to 11. Uh, Patrick Beja has been hitting on this a lot on the Phileas Club, right? It's all oh, 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing, is, the, nothing is a paper cut. Yeah, and if it's all 11... Is, oh my God! If it's all 11, then none of it has any meaning anymore. And it's just this constant sea of negativity. The world is a really big place. I promise you, I can find something that will annoy you. <laughs> promise you, there is something happening somewhere in the world today that is unfair, unjust, and that you could easily get angry about, and arguably justifiably get angry about. But really, do you need to have them all pointed out to you every minute of every day, all the time? Probably right, right. not. So... It just occurred to me, and the other thing, I'm my personality type is such that I need blocks of time for tasks, and I can't deal with interruptions. They really stress me out. Like, they genuinely are stressful to me, like chalk on a blackboard. And social media is pretty darn good at um, doing that. <laughs> Jumping in and distracting you. Yeah, so I sort of realized that I needed to remove this never-ending flood of negativity and I needed to not remove the distractions, but group them. Take them on my time, not whenever the universe felt I should be interrupted. And so the easiest thing to do there, of course, is just to remove notifications. But getting, sure. rid, getting rid of the negativity took a little bit more thinking about. And what I've decided is I am focusing on private communities, not the public square. So your oh. Slack has been wonderful because it really illustrated the point. You don't have a never-ending sea of negativity, negativity in the Nusilla Castaway Slack because <laughs> there's no algorithm trying to find the things that make you most cranky and show them to the top of your timeline. <laughs> well, the most we might have is someone saying something mean about Apple and Allison gets sad because of that bias. <laughs> but even then, it tends to become a discussion. Right, right. It's a discussion, and I have no problem with disagreement, right? The problem isn't that people on the planet disagree with me. I, have, I quite enjoy, like, like yourself, I have many friends who have completely different points of view to me, and I love an honest discussion. But an honest discussion is not what you get on Twitter. Hmm. Right? What you get on Twitter is people who know exactly what their point of view is, are have zero chance of changing it and just want to shout at liberals or just want to shout at conservatives or just want to shout at whatever it is they want to shout at. That's not 
constructive. It's not useful. Whereas in places like the Nasilla Castaway Slack, you do not get that. You can have fun, honest disagreements. So it's healthier. So I'm focusing my attention on places I like. And I've minimized my consumption of the other stuff. But the other big thing... No, go on. Let me just put one thing in about the community thing. Um, It'd be interesting if the person with whom I had this uh, happen is actually listening. But there was someone that I was friends with on Facebook who was really, really negative and just so wrong I couldn't see straight. And uh, so I unfriended them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're not paying attention, you don't notice that. If you're the kind of person who, you know, installs these tools that tells them when somebody irritates them, so be it. But anyway, so I unfriended the person. But the person was also in our No Solo Castaways community in Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I waited to see what would happen. And that person has completely compartmentalized these two worlds. In the Nocilla Castaways, completely polite, respectful discussion, argument about technical stuff, no anger, no crazy. And in their regular Facebook, that's where they keep all the crazy. And I was just so happy that I didn't actually stop being friends with them because I can still talk to them about this stuff. Excellent. Yes. And finding the finding ways to agree to disagree is very powerful. But... Yeah. Right. So... There is a real danger to my approach of closed communities. That sets you up potentially for the filter bubble, for the echo chamber. Yeah. Right? For thinking the whole world thinks like you. Now, depending on the community you choose, that may or may not happen, but it's a danger. So it's something I was very aware of. And so I made a very conscious choice that three things in my life need to become separated from each other. And I need to make sure each of them is dealt with, but not mushed together socializing Hmm. factual news and opinion and analysis those three have now been separated i do not follow people on twitter who talk news and politics that's not where i'm going to get that from i do not listen to opinion podcasts until after i've listened to the factual news podcasts hmm so I want to know what's going on in the world, and I very carefully cur- curated. Basically, I've, I I spent a lot of time experimenting with different sources of news, and I have chosen the ones I trust, who've earned my trust, and I've cut the rest out. So I now take my news in small bite-sized pieces a few times a day, and they're news sources that I trust to be high on accuracy and low on opinion. I want what's happened, tell it to me quickly, tell it to me honestly, and then go away. <laughs> So that gives me the what has happened, which I think is vitally important that we, none of us get out of touch with what has happened. And then, if I'm in the humor for it, I'll take some opinion podcasts on top of that. I already know what's happened, but now I want people whose opinion I value, whether I agree with them or disagree with them, they're basically people who I think are intelligent. I want to hear what they make of it. But that's not how I should get my news. That's how I should interpret I, my I news. I you're thinking the difference. Yeah. So you form your own opinion first, and then maybe it'll be molded a little bit by the opinion of people you trust? Or what sometimes happens is I get the facts and I end up going, I don't know what to make of that. I now know what has <laughs> happened, but I don't know how to think about that. And they're actually the particularly interesting news stories, because at that point, it, the, the opinion podcasts are highly valuable because you learn something genuinely, you know, and sometimes they confirm what you thought and sometimes they change your mind. But the, the thing is, the opinion ones 
I may not have time for it, and that's fine. But the fact ones, I make sure to get every day. But because I'm choosing my sources, it's not taking hours and hours every day. It's coming in small bite-sized chunks. And I, I very consciously, I need Irish news, I need international news, and I need Belgian news. And I've broken it up into little chunks, and I make sure I get each of those. The Belgian news I only take once a week, because that's sufficient. Not that much happens. <laughs> oh, no, plenty happens. But at the moment, the government collapsed again. It does that. <laughs> but they've decided they're not going to have a new one until the elections were due to happen in May anyway. Oh, wow. So we've already preemptively gone going for like six months without a government. And then the last time it took a year and a bit to get a government after the elections. So <laughs> I think that 400-day world record beating Iran, or sorry, Iraq, I think we may, we may be well on the way to doing that again. But anyway, you know, that's now yes. happened. So in the few yep. days when the government was in the act of collapsing, I followed a lot more Belgian news. But now that it's done collapsing, it's settled back into business as usual, we have no government. Um, I, I'm, once a week is fine. Um, I, I find... There's one basic flaw in your whole strategy. Okay. You miss the really, really funny, snarky tweets. I mean, there's some hysterically funny stuff. I don't that comes miss them, although I, I, although in theory I should. Um, it's impossible to lose them all because there are people. Can I, I send really... you just the funny ones? Sure, and uh, that's sort of how it ends up coming. People whom I really, really trust, who I'm actually friends with in real life, if they retweet some grade A snark, that will still make it into my world. And you know something? That's okay. That's actually... Oh, okay. They're my actual real world friends. If I was sitting there and having coffee, that's exactly what we'd be talking about. So that seems fine (laughs) to me. Okay. Okay. But the, the great thing is I'm not in every little... So I did not get stressed about whatever Kevin Hart did or didn't say that meant he should or shouldn't be allowed to host the Oscars. Didn't in any way upset me at all. Quite a few people in my circle of friends were very exercised about that. Seems completely but irrelevant. about something you don't really care about, right? Right. On the other hand, I was telling them that there was this story that really should be bigger news about Jamal Khashoggi, you know, this journalist who's gone missing. And then two or three days later, it made its way to everyone else's filter bubble. They're like, hey, how did you know about that in advance? I was like, yeah, I listened to BBC World News. It was on the factual part of the news. Right, right. So... I was up to 11 on that because, you know, that's horrific. That's worthy of going to 11. And I was at a zero on the Kevin Hart thing. And, you know, something I I don't think I did wrong. It's just fine. Yeah. Yeah, that that is really interesting. Well, that's so I guess you've got another way of controlling this thing that can affect affect us so much that I hadn't thought about, but specifically compartmentalizing it. I was thinking about changing the way my feeds of who I follow and, and in what context, because I do like to get my news uh, from Twitter uh, and I enjoy that. That is something I go seek out. And if I enjoy that, that's OK. That's the point, right? Yeah, exactly. I was finding it stressful. So I, I felt the need to cut it out. So whatever you find stressful, you cut out. Whatever you find helpful, you bring in. But I did want right. to be very careful. I didn't cut myself off from, I mean, I, I, I take pride in being informed because I think in a democracy, that's my job. And I wanted to make darn sure I didn't undo that while trying to remove the things I didn't want. Right. For everybody here, when I have a question about the way the United States government works, I usually ask Bart about it. Okay, so you know the way I'm a nerd about how like an alarm clock works and about how a computer works? Mm-hmm. I also want to know how governments work because they're machines, right? You have this, when you pull on this thing, that thing over there moves. And these are the thing, these are the levers you can push and pull. And these levers don't exist. And so I like to know how 
countries work. So that that's sort of why I can answer those civics questions because I'm just fascinated by the different ways you can arrange people. Well, that's good. I like this part. I'm glad you jumped in and gave us uh, your perspective. I hope everybody listened to Shy before this because this will be out of context. But uh, I'll, I'll, I may set it up a little bit more before. Yeah, uh, I was going to say I, I if you haven't here. listened to Shy yet. I do because it's a brilliant episode, but don't do what I very, very, very nearly did and fast forward when we get into the whole give us your links bit because there's a bit after the give us your link bit that you cannot miss. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Bart. My absolute pleasure and uh, talk to you soon. You may know him from uh, such shows as Mamma Mia. You may have seen him uh, not ice skating in Canada, or you've seen him in the No Silla Castaways chat rooms. But we are now talking to Shai Yamini uh, on behalf of PAI Technologies. How are you doing today, Shai? I'm great. Thank you, Alison. So good to see you. I will not ask you to break into, uh, oh, what a beautiful morning. But, uh, you know, sometimes that happens when we talk. Yeah, no singing today. <laughs> All right. So what are we looking at here at PAI Technologies today? Well, Pi Technology, we've got a brand new product. It's called PiBots. And it's an augmented reality interactive construction kit. Okay. <laughs> so basically what it means is... We, um, we're creating robots that uh, children can interact with and learn how to code. Oh, I like that. I like where you're going. Yeah. So basically what we start off with is we build the robot first. So we've got a build mode right here. Yeah. So let's say we're going to build a little robot friend here called Nova. And so all this comes in the kit. We've got six different robots that we actually build in the game. So for the audio listeners, he's got a little robot on a platform here, but he's got one similar he's building on an iPad. Yes, so it shows in um, sort of a virtual world all the pieces that are required to build Nova. And then once it's done, it asks me to actually look at her and scan it, and it says, yep, I've built it correctly. Okay, so he built up the pieces rapidly, but uh, <laughs> imagine you were putting it together in the actual robot, and then he, he pointed the screen of the iPad at the robot and said, okay, you built it correctly. Exactly. So now that I've built it, I can play? Now you've built it, now you can play. And the play is in augmented reality, and it creates this beautiful big world, as you can see in the TV behind me. And as you go through the gameplay, it teaches you different coding um, skills. Okay. So let me show you what the coding skills we've got available and each robot actually has a different um skill set oh okay so so it's connecting so it says scanning so he's got to connect it up to her again let me just connect this gotta love live live demos with lots of interference <laughs> the best kind of demo so this is actually doing being done via bluetooth so we've got quite a few bluetooth devices right now there we go this like, is the most challenging place on earth to do a live demo. <laughs> seriously. Oh, All right, looks like we're connected. So, now we've got this um, interface on the screen where we can do building blocks. So, it sort code. of looks like the way Scratch is designed, where it's got little blocks that you can connect together. Exactly. So, let me say I want to use the motion sensor that's in the robot. And then say, when you see motion, I want you to spin to the left, go forward and back, and let's activate it. So, just hit play. Oh, he just put his hand in front of it, and it spin to the left, and then it went forward. And back. Oh, wow. And so we've got all the different type of things. We can um, control the lights, we can control movement, oh, we can... Make the eyes blink. 
The eyes don't do blink, though, unfortunately. It's actually the body. The whole body? Oh, okay. Well, we'll go with the whole body blinking. <laughs> but as I said, each robot has a different skill set. So some will play drums, some will move their tail. It all depends on that particular robot that you've built in the storyline of the game. What I like about this is it's combining a lot of different things. They're actually tactile tactile building in in a Lego-like environment. Exactly. So they're building things. They're having to use your imagination. Uh, but then they can use your imagination again in a tablet environment where the kids really want to be playing exactly. on a tablet. But then you're tricking them into learning programming. Exactly. And one good thing is because you've got all the pieces, you've got 130 pieces here to build the robots, but you don't have to build just those robots. You can build whatever you want and then go into the RV mode where I can actually just control it just like a remote control vehicle. Oh, okay, so after you build your crazy uh, monstrosity, you can still drive it around. Exactly. Okay, but it won't know what skill sets it has because it's not one of the standard robots, right? It's not, but um, you know how to control the movements, you know how to control the lights, and so once you know those skill sets, you can make your own um, codes. Oh, you can, even with a, a monster robot you built. Exactly. Oh, that is so cool. So uh, I was calling it PII, but it's Pi Technologies, mm-hmm. but it's spelled PAI, so now yes. you know how to spell it. Where would people go to find more? Uh, you can do uh, PAI.technology, and that's the website you'd be able to go there. And they've got quite a few different other educational uh, games and um, building construction kits that they can use. So are these available today? Uh, this one is available in spring this year, and the other um, games and building construction kits are available already. Oh, great. And about, what's the price point going to be on this? This will retail for $99.99. Okay, that's actually not bad when you compare it to some of the other high-tech exactly. stuff that's out there. Very cool. Yeah, Thank exactly. Thank you, Shai. My pleasure. So good to see you. <laughs> A lot of podcasters and people who use microphones in general love the microphones from Blue. They've been around forever with great quality microphones, and they have the new Blue Ember they're very excited about. And I'm here with Hillary Money, who's going to tell us about it. Yeah, so we're real excited at CES to launch Ember, which is a XLR microphone for recording podcasts, maybe online YouTubes, blogs, um, even music. Uh, it's an XLR microphone, so you're you're moving up into that more professional setup for $99. $99 XLR microphone. Holy cow. Now, I'm looking at this, and it is pencil thin is what I would call it. Much thinner than a normal uh, big big girl mic, as I would call it. Looks like it's maybe only about an inch and a half in diameter. Little tiny thing. Let's turn it so the pretty logo goes to the front for Steve. So what do we need to know about this? So it is a condenser microphone. So people who maybe aren't familiar, that's a... A, a warmer, richer studio sound versus a dynamic. It is a cardioid mic, so it's directional to the front. It has really good off-access rejection. So you're going to reduce the room noise or background noise because it's a more precise pattern. Uh, really, other than that, it's just plug-and-play with your audio interface. Uh, great for multi-mic setups. So if you have a mixer, multi-channel mixer, you can have Ember dedicated to a multi-person podcast. At that price, you could buy a whole bunch of them, right? Buy six for all your friends. So uh, is this on the market yet? It is available for pre-order now. It'll be available in retail in February. That's fantastic. So if people want to find out about the Blue Ember mic, where would they go? They go to bluedesigns.com. Very good. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I actually had one more story to tell you, but I am going to save my sorry eyes here, and uh, I think you've got enough show for this week. I'll save it for next week. That's going to wind us up for this week, that means. And don't forget to send in your dumb questions, comments, and suggestions. You can email me at allison at podfeed.com. 
you can follow me on Twitter at PodFeed. Remember, anything you're looking for starts with PodFeed.com. You want to become a Patreon? PodFeed.com slash Patreon. You want to, uh, you got that fear of commitment? You want to do PayPal? PodFeed.com slash PayPal. Want to join our Facebook group? PodFeed.com slash Facebook. Want to join our Slack group? PodFeed.com slash Slack. You can join, go talk about programming by stealth, anything you want over there. You can also join our chat room during the live show at PodFeed.com slash chat. And if you want to join the fun of the live show, head on over to PodFeed.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.